Welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Five Things Podcast brought to you live during Social Media Week's SMW1 virtual conference. I am your host, Toby Daniels, and I am joined by my co-pilot, my brother in marketing arms, and the smartest, most energetic man in social media, Kenny Gold. Hey, Tob. Glad to be here. Welcome, Kenny. So lovely to see you. So each week, we bring you the five most important things happening in the world of social and digital, with conversations covering breaking stories, platform news, updates, product launches, and little sprinkling of creative inspiration. This week, we are continuing from last week's show and focusing on a specific theme, which this week will delve into the wonderful world of influencer marketing. And joining us as our guests to bring some real authority to the conversation this week, we have Risa Lake, who is the partner and EVP at Digital Brand Architects. And she will be joined by Ryan Berger, who is the founding partner at Hyper. Risa, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. So this week's topics... Five things. Number one, Twitch saw a rise in influencer-sponsored content. Kenny's going to take that one. Number two, Pinterest has rolled out influencer shopping spotlights. And Risa is going to be walking us through that. Number three, the Webby's announced best influencer endorsement winner. Brian is going to take us through that one. Five things. Number four, Instagram has rolled out guides, and I'm going to be sharing a little bit of information around that. And our fifth thing this week is Instagram adding live broadcasts to IGTV. And Kenny will be taking that to wrap us up for this week. All right, let's just jump in. Let's start with our first thing. Kenny, please take it away. All right, thing number one. Twitch saw a rise in influencer-sponsored content. So as more brands are starting to leverage Twitch for their brand communication, we are seeing a massive uptick in the number of game-sponsored content. That's up 21%. We're seeing influencers are generating 89% more content than they had in previous months. We're seeing higher viewer viewer engagement rates during the pandemic than prior. Um, There has been a massive influx of content consumption, up 79% in April. There are about 1.3 million people tuning in at any given time to things that are happening on Twitch. We are seeing a massive, massive rise in content consumption on the platform. It is not surprising. It is engaging. It is a place that people want to be. People are sitting in front of the screens and they want to engage in this kind of stuff. Not surprising, but definitely an interesting trend for all of our marketing friends out there. Um, Now is the time to get in. Let me ask ask you a question, Kenny, about Twitch. Less so about the specifics of this thing, but just more to do with the fact that like, it is such an interesting platform. It has grown substantially kind of year over year. And obviously during this time, it's seeing explosive growth. Do you think it's a platform that marketers are spending enough time thinking about and focusing on? I think they like saying the name of it. Um, I don't know if they wholly understand what the behavior and the platform experience are like. Um, you know, this is, we live in a world where 80 to 85% of marketers like to talk about platforms, 
but rarely have they actually ever experienced those platforms. Oh, I have a Fortnite idea. Oh, I have a podcast idea. How many podcasts are you listening to? How much Fortnite are you playing? Probably very little. So when it comes to Twitch, they are not spending enough time there. They are not diving into the different types of content. On a previous Five Things podcast, we talked about the fact that non-gaming streaming content on Twitch for the first time ever is outperforming from an engagement perspective, gaming content. We are seeing this live streaming platform explode and expand the way that people are able to engage with live content. So I think uh, we are at the tipping point for Twitch and it is high time that every single marketer, if they want to be taken seriously about content uh, publishing, content consumption, influencer co-creation, et cetera, are going to be uh, getting on board and understanding Twitch inside and out. Let's bring in Risa and Ryan. Yeah. Risa, when, when you're talking to your clients, you know, is it something that comes up in conversation a lot? Is it something that you're putting on their agenda because you think it's important? We represent mainly fashion and beauty and lifestyle and food clients. So this isn't necessarily their world. Um, but I think that when it comes to brands, I feel like brands, whenever they see a new platform like Twitch or TikTok, they, they're like, that sounds amazing. We see the reaches there, but like, what are other brands doing? Who, who, who's done something really cool? And I feel like the brands that are the trailblazers and the ones that take the risk to actually go out there and run those first campaigns are the ones that are featured in, you know, a future thing that we're going to talk about. But like brands are really scared to be the first one on a platform to do something. Well, we come at it a little bit differently. We're a data provider at Hyper. So we actually provide data on every influencer in the world. And we provide data on usually the five major platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, and uh, and Twitter. And obviously, in the past couple of months, the big requests have been, are you going to get data for Twitch? And are you going to get data for TikTok? So those are both things that are absolutely on our roadmap and on our agenda. And right. clients are asking about that absolutely on a, on a day-to-day. I've had a lot of experience lately in the past couple of months just sort of engaging with Twitch, looking at Twitch, even watching things right. like Madden and other games that people are playing uh, to t- just to sort of substitute for the lack of sports going on today. You know, I, I but think... But you're... Kenny- you're- Oh, sorry, Tobe. No, no, no. It's fine. No, this is our new world. This is it what is. happens. It's okay. Um, you, you know, you start to see things like Major League Baseball, as an example, jumped onto Twitch immediately once Corona kicked in. And we're like, we're going to use our video game and our star players to create an experience where people can enjoy it. That is a simple, pure usage case of the channel being done in the best possible way. Where it starts to get interesting is when you see the power of gamers and streamers to be influential voices that live your brand purpose is where we start to see this platform really become interesting. And it is quite nuanced. Similarly to when we talk about Procter and Gamble and distance dance and what we did with Charlie D'Amelio, you know, we have to take a step back and realize that these channels require brands to cede control of the content and give way to allow streamers and creators to do their thing appropriately. I, that's you know, what I'm I, saying about TikTok, you know, brands are like, what do we do on TikTok? And I say, as a marketer, forget everything that you've done with YouTubers and Instagram and bloggers, throw away your brand brief, throw away all of your guidelines, all of your prescriptions, because it you need to really lean into what that creator is doing. So I feel like platforms like Twitch and TikTok, marketers have to think really differently about how they're approaching those platforms. I think Kenny's earlier point is a really important one before we move on to our second thing, which I want to go back to because I really want to hammer home the message, which is like, 
it's not good enough to be a marketer today to be sort of like um, looking at these platforms and opportunities or even looking at kind of like the influencers that are leveraging and using um, these different platforms if you're not prepared to be on them yourself. And I don't care who you are, I don't care what level you're at. Um, just if you are a senior marketer, you still need to be on these platforms. You need to be immersed in these different environments and even engaging with these different influencers and creators. And the number one reason is because it's culture. If you don't get culture, then you shouldn't be in marketing. All right, let's get on to the next thing. Number two, Risa, you're going to take us through Pinterest rolling out influencer shopping spotlights. Take it away. I love that my thing is focused on shopping because I truly enjoy that professionally and, and personally. Um, but excited to see that Pinterest has rolled out influencer shopping spotlights. We saw obviously Instagram roll out shopping last year with influencers and are continuing to evolve that. And I feel like it was only a matter of time for Pinterest to do that. Um, they're rolling out with a core um, select group of influencers, fashion blogger Blair Eadie, interior designer Sarah, Sarah Sherman Samuel. And then some of the bigger publishers who what wear Refinery29, In Style, Harper's Bazaar. Um, you know, I got a chance to catch up with Pinterest before this. And my first question, which, you know, I know our clients will ask on the talent side is what are the monetization opportunities for these creators who are now having these spotlight shops? And um, the, the first answer was there currently are none. It's about the exposure for these um, publishers and influencers. But I think that the next step will really be what's the return on investment for these creators who are lending their curated spots for Pinterest. So, you know, it's interesting that influencers or influencer marketing for some is kind of considered a little bit of a dirty word, which is completely like unfair and unfounded. And, and it's interesting because like, I think Pinterest thinks social media is a dirty word. And I felt for a while, they also thought that like, you know, influencer marketing was also a little bit of a dirty word. I even remember someone on the platform saying to me, one time that like they don't have influencers on the platform and I just like, that's bullshit as you do. Um, whether you're organizing them or providing support to them is, is another question, but it seems like they're really leaning into it right now. What, why do you think that Pinterest has just been slow on the uptick in terms of like really embracing the kind of influencer movement and community? You know, it's interesting, um, you know, the early days of Pinterest, we had a division of our company where we represented power pinners who had a million followers and we were doing dedicated boards with P&G and sponsors were coming in. And it was, you know, a really valuable revenue stream for a lot of influencers. And with the growth of Instagram and them being able to monetize in a different way with Instagram, Pinterest kind of fell off. But now we're seeing for some of our creators that have blogs and who are traditional bloggers, they're using Pinterest to really drive SEO and to drive clicks over to the blog. I feel like Pinterest has kind of had their ebbs and flows of when they're supporting creators, when they're allowing for monetization, um, when they're allowing for affiliate links, taking them back, giving them away. And I feel like influencers haven't really been completely supported by the platform, but it sounds like uh, influencers are definitely a big focus going forward. Yeah, I think it's sort of two things. I've actually been in the middle of this, started working with Pinterest about five months ago on this, and they've been a, a hyper client uh, ever since. Uh, they've been using our platform to sort of fuel what you guys just talked about, which is which is how do you introduce Pinterest to other influencers out there who don't believe that Pinterest is a place for influencers. So by using Hyper, they've been able to identify influencers, many of which you just discussed. We're working with them in about 30 regions all over the world. And they have a very, very big initiative in the next two years, and that is to become a destination for influencer marketing. So it's great to see. 
you know, this, it's an area that you know I've been very, very close to, and we're really proud of the work that they've been able to do and continuing to support them. I think you'll see a lot more stuff like this from them uh, globally, uh, and it's certainly really, really exciting. So uh, great to see. It, it is a platform where influence is as important as it gets. Like the, fa- the fact that the, it, it is built on a curation model. So it's funny that it took this long to get there. But I do think what you're going to see, you know, the, the dirty secret about Pinterest, which I think everybody in the marketing world who understands it loves about it, is it drives massive click through. It drives massive exposure. It is literally rocket fuel of the internet. Like it will push you through to where you need to go. So the fact that they are going to put these curated shops into place where you can actually shop right there and then and buy whole collections, when you... the retail landscape is changing. The physical showrooming of retail is changing. So their ability to turn their platform into the curated storefront of the future is going to be a marketer's dream. Like in, this is such a massive development for them. And I feel like it's almost getting like, it's under the radar. It's very, very low key. Back to your, back to your early point though, Kenny, big problem for uh, uh, Pinterest and the reason why Instagram is just crushing them. Marketers aren't on the platform. You know, marketers as consumers are not necessarily using Pinterest in the way they're using Instagram. It's the same. It's the same issue. They've they've had such a challenge within the industry in terms of how to educate uh, marketers in terms of the possibilities and the big kind of like learning curve that they're trying to get people to get over has to start with the fact that they're just like not on the platform and experiencing it firsthand. They also have a perception problem, which is unfortunate. And I think it's sort of unfounded where they are a network that has been defined by their audience versus a network that has been defined by their function. And that's a crazy thing as well. Like if you were to go to eight out of 10 marketers and you would say, tell us about Pinterest, they would say it's 82% female. It's mostly about shopping. It's where you go if you're planning your kid's birthday party. Like Joey, I apologize. You're going to have to bleep this. That's bullshit. Um, it is, it is the kind of platform where if you are going to be successful, there are still brands that there's still an opportunity to do the next big breakthrough execution on Pinterest. The the platform is moldable. So I think, you know, get on there marketers. There are 35 people watching this live. You know, five of us are, four of us are right here. So 31 people get on Pinterest. You have the early mover advantage. (laughs) Well said. All right, let's move on to our uh, third thing. Um, now, Ryan's going to take this. So Webby's announced best influencer endorsement winner this week. Before you jump in, Ryan, I do want to say this. So we're very close to the Webby's. Um, we, we partner with them throughout the year. We're huge fans. And I just want to give the Webby's team huge props for this week for doing hosting Webby's from home. Uh, it was phenomenal. It was one of the best, uh, I think, applications of kind of like you know, uh, uh, how we are all trying to adjust and pivot to this kind of new virtual reality. They did such an incredible job. I thought it was really, really well done. Very slick, very well produced. Okay, sorry. With that said, Ryan, take it away. And just to touch on Toby said, you know, congratulations to Webby's. They're doing a great job. Congratulations to all the winners. Uh, Two specific winners when it comes to uh, best work, when it comes to influencer activation. Uh, The first is from the great agency, RGA. 
of course, their work with Nike, uh, Nike Playlist, an amazing campaign, RGA engaging influencers and Nike athletes to engage with kids and different content and videos. Uh, really well done work with different uh, men, women, uh, all over Nike athletes, uh, as well as congratulations to McGarry Bowen, who did an amazing uh, campaign. I call it more of a movement uh, with women uh, around women worth watching. And it's really a great idea, right? Women are worth watching when it comes to sports and really everything, but they don't get the exposure. They don't. And USTA and, and, and McGarry Bowen got together to uh, create a really, really fantastic movement. Uh, really, really well-deserved. Congratulations to both winners. So I, I will tell you what I love about both of them. And, and yes, they are two competitors of Gray. So, you know, we still love creativity. These are two brands and two agencies that leveraged influencers to deliver a story that was on brand and on brand purpose. And the reason why I say those two things are it is critical for marketers when they evaluate who they're going to partner with when it comes to the influencer space to really understand how they are going to embody and advance the brand purpose that you are putting out into the world. Uh, so, you know, kudos. Nike does this better than anybody. And it's, it's great to see the Webby celebrating people who know how to use influencers in the right way. I love that you say that, Kenny, because when you talk about, you know, marketers should make sure that they're looking at, at platforms to make sure they understand the platform. I think they need to do the same thing when they're looking at influencers to make sure that influencer really fits with their brand. There's so many times that we get requests from agencies and brands saying they'd love to work with, you know, a certain influencer for a, a spirits campaign. I'm like, she doesn't drink. You've never seen her drink. She talked about she, how she doesn't drink. Why would you ever want to work with her? I think it's really important for marketers to dig in to make sure that the influencer not only their content aligns with your brand and your mission, that, but that your values and who they are do as well. You, you And Risa, it's so spot on. You are not buying the reach of the influencer. You are buying the ability for the influencer to get their audience to engage for the brand. So that it, it's so, you don't need an influencer with 10 million followers to bring value to your brand. If they have a hundred followers who all do everything you ask them to do, that's just as valuable. So it's, also, it's, it's so, so true. true. And it's also an area that I've spent a lot of time focusing on, which is really what we've tried to mirror marketing, which is what does the audience care about and how do you back into the right influencer, right? I always like to use the Kate Upton example. Gorgeous model, great skin, a fashion icon. Her audience is interested in comedy, baseball, basketball, and video games. They're just not interested in buying uh, the latest blouse from H&M or the latest leggings from another brand. So thinking about what the audience is interested in and backing into that message is a lot more effective than trying to jam a message down an audience throat that doesn't actually care about it. Yeah. And then I also think once you find that right influencer, they align with your brand and your values, that influencer is going to go above and beyond because they're going to be more passionate about the project and be more passionate about the brand. And it's going to come through and like the, the authentic word, I feel like we should play like a Andy Cohen drinking game, but it really does come off as more authentic. Absolutely. There's nothing better than when you start off an influencer negotiation and the first words out of their mouths are, we love the brand. We use the brand. You don't, if they say, oh God, who in the hell is that? You're like, that's your red flag. No, no, don't use them. 
All right. I think it's time that we move on to the fourth thing, which I am going to be taking. And uh, this is very interesting. And I'm particularly interested in your take on this one, Kenny, because I know that you're all over Instagram. So Instagram has rolled out guides. So what does this mean? So guides let users discover recommendations and other content from their favorite creators or public figures. Guides is essentially a tab within a user's profile where they can create article-like updates. So this is being rolled out as we speak. So very few people have even seen or and or interacted with it. But I think this is a really important move. Um, we've talked about this, I think, pretty consistently over the, over the course of the last few weeks in terms of how quickly or rapidly platforms are shipping new product and new features. Um, and oftentimes there's like a timeliness to these features in particular in regards to how they like help people during this time. And I think guys is a good example of that. So the, the, the reason why I think it's interesting, cause like during COVID-19, the, the, the guys feature is going to help create is actually connect with other expert organizations to share resources, particularly obviously during this time, which will basically resources will basically include things like tips, um, around kind of like your well-being, how to, to maintain like a healthy connection with each other or how to manage anxiety or grief. Um, they're focusing singularly on kind of like health and wellness at this time. And obviously it will roll out into other categories later on. But again, it sort of points to the kind of the, the timeliness of it. Um, I think it's super interesting. It's really hard to talk about in the abstract. But what I think is, is, is of particular interest here is the ease at which you can connect as a creator to the expert organization to then obviously be able to push out content. It's the partnership or the collaboration as well as the feature that I think is particularly interesting. But, um, but Kenny, what do you think? Yeah, uh, a couple of thoughts. First of all, um, I like that it's curated in one place. I think that's going to make it very easy for influencers to pick their picks, if you will. Um, if I were a travel brand or I were a hospitality brand, Obviously, it's a very difficult time and, and you're focused on the future of your business and understanding when things are going to get back to normal and you can, you can live your business the way that you would like it to. That being said, if you are not considering what this does for your influencer strategy when things are back to normal, then it's time to fire up your web browser and start to read about it because you're talking about the ability to overlay an influencer's expert opinion on whatever city, town, restaurant you can think of. They have the ability to put a layer over that. It's essentially Instagram's version of lenses. Like they're putting a lens on beauty. They're putting a lens on travel, tourism, hospitality. I think it could be an unbelievable feature for the future of the platform. Um, and, and, and honestly, it's just, uh, it, it's a nice move from, from the folks at Instagram. It really is. I wonder if the feature could also, I wonder if it could also evolve. I mean, we have a lot of clients who are publishing um, eBooks and, and manuals. If there'll be a way to add a pay, uh, I'm always thinking about monetization. Is there a way to add a, a paywall to it so that you could subscribe to some, uh, to a guide or to a fitness plan or to a meal plan or wellness tips through this, this feature, not talking about necessarily geographically geographical guides, but more kind of like day-to-day -day guides that our clients are coming up with ebook options for. Mm. Yeah. 
I just think Instagram's continuing to look at the landscape, continuing to look at what people need and where they can show value. And I think we'll see a lot more of these really interesting, uh, innovative ideas that, that they'll continue to roll out that are very practical for people's lives, like Risa talked about. Yeah. And we talked about this before, but, you know, scale. They can roll these things out at such an extraordinary scale to like truly understand the ways in which this sort of these sort of collaborations and this content, this access to content can actually like impact people in positive ways. I have a quick follow-up question though, um, that I'd be interested to hear everyone's thoughts on, which is it's great, obviously, it's more content, it's content from influencers, in other words, trusted sources or sources that we are, you know, very dialed into. Are we starting though at this moment in time? We started to feel a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of content and things we can access in the health and wellness category, you know, content that is designed to help us at this time, whilst also at the same time making us feel a bit more overwhelmed than we already were. I mean, I was overwhelmed before COVID. Uh, <laughs> there's an unbelievable amount of content that's out there, way too much. It's so hard to, to consume all of it. Um, when I moved out to my house, I, the first thing I did was build a basement and built five TVs on my wall. And unfortunately I'm watching more Anderson Cooper than Amari Cooper these days, but there's so much content when you look at what you can watch, who you can follow, whether it's your own teachers, whether it's people that you want to learn from or somebody to aspire to, or certainly influencers, there's just an unlimited number of content out there. And now that the brand, now that the platforms and now additional platforms, you know, so many platforms, it'll be interesting to see as the people migrate off of one platform to another, where the platforms end up in this race. I think based on that, we'll get a sense of where you're going to consume your content from because it's really all over the place right now. See, and I'll go a step further. You know, the market has yet to put a stop on it. Like every single major social channel is seeing record content consumption, record content consumption. If it were too much, if people didn't want it, you would see a reduction in that usage. The, the market, market dictates. Yeah, so there's two different conversations. One is, is there too much? The other is, are you sick of it all? I, I'm not sick of it. I just keep consuming it. There's too much, meaning I can't get, there's not enough time in my day to actually get to it all. That's but right. I, but That's I think right. the way Instagram is building out guides and the next thing is they are finding a centralized way to make it searchable so that you know if you want to go see guides that you can go find it from a platform. Otherwise, everything is just kind of living in all of these different places. I feel like the platforms who make it, you know, things easy for us to access and search makes it less overwhelming. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to our fifth thing. As a reminder to our audience, raise your hand, put a question into the Q&A, turn on your mic, turn on your camera if you want to join us on the show and you can ask our guests a question when we get to that portion. But for now, let's jump into the fifth thing. Kenny's going to take this. Instagram has added live broadcast IGTV. Yes, the fifth thing. So Instagram has added Instagram live broadcast to IGTV. They have announced that all users can now save the videos of their Instagram live broadcast to their IGTV channel and keep it available for viewing as long as they choose. Uh, this is a huge opportunity for users. You know, IG live has seen a massive, massive influx in usage by influencers and regular people alike. IGTV was very much a nascent component of the Instagram platform. And it makes sense structurally and logistically that they are tying these two things together to create more usage. 
it's a pretty straightforward move tactically that Instagram is trying to do. They have been finding, they have been seeking ways for influencer content to permeate on IGTV. What better way to do that than to allow them to take these IG lives, which they are performing on the reg, and translate it into building IGTV as a function. So you are seeing uh, a tactical decision as a result of COVID, and it is one that is beneficial for Instagram's long-term desire to be the go-to destination for all type of content. That simple. I think it's genius. I love it. Um, as soon as we went into quarantine, we saw a huge surge in live content. And where do we find the live content? How do I remember the live content? And DBA launched yourliveguide.com, which is a guide to all live content that is um, that's that's happening live and, and coming up. So really that TV guide for live content. The amazing thing for our clients, our creators who spend a lot of time, um, especially cooking demo lives, is they would create the live and they'd have to edit it, turn it into an IGTV. This now makes it very simple for the creators to have that content quickly be shifted to IGTV. And now we're seeing record-breaking views on lives being turned into TV. So a live may only get 17,000 views, but now we're seeing the IGTV, um, once it's once it's moved over, get 80,000 views. So for our clients, it's been extremely valuable. I love everything Risa just said. It's all, all that is absolutely on the money. Definitely. Yeah. Why um, should we talk? Why should we talk when we know Reese is going to say the right thing anyway? Uh, I do want to say. I do want to say one more thing about live. Um, just in general, we've had so many clients who were supposed to launch books this year. They were supposed to launch product lines. So many of these events were tied to in life public appearances, book signings. And we've done an amazing job of pivoting those brick and mortar events to being lives. We're now, instead of 100, 200 people showing up to um, Barnes and Noble, what's got to be cooking on her her digital live cookbook show is seeing 17,000, 20,000 people. So it's just really giving our talent the opportunity to reach a ton more people, which is really exciting. Let's talk about on the flip side. There was something actually with Jesse... Kay, who was a guest on our show last week, talked about um, when he was talking about live um, in the context of some um, um, big artists like performances, DJ sets that he'd been involved in. And one of the things he said, one of the things he said that was very powerful was the the ways in which these different artists and DJs and musicians and creators come together you know, combining their audiences, right? Just creating just these massive levels of engagement, reaching huge audiences as, the, as, as they, you know, all these different artists start to recognize the power of collaboration, the power of partnership. But on the flip side of it, the infrastructure, the platform itself actually isn't really well cut out for it. And also from a user experience standpoint, it kind of sucks. There's something about Instagram and, and really doing anything on your mobile phone for that for that matter. But there's something about Instagram that, that it makes it very difficult to really dial into something for a long period of time because the temptation to just move on, tap, open, close is really difficult to kind of just keep engaged within the mobile phone. Kenny? Yes. So there's a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, there is a quality issue. You... But for whatever reason, wherever we are in the journey of influencer marketing and, and live content, we feel like raw 
and we feel like gritty and grainy is a sign of authenticity. That's the first thing. For example, you're watching the Together at Home concert and you see, uh, I don't know, Halsey sitting in her house playing playing piano and it feels gritty and raw. You're like, oh, she's actually doing that right now. That's number one. Then you see Keith Urban doing a polished performance where he's playing four different instruments and he's cut it together. And you're like, that's really well done and interesting, but it's not it's not live because it's edited. We need to get over this barrier that we can create polished live content. So that's the first thing. And when it, it might not be Instagram, that's the solution, but we need to find a way to level up the quality of live to bring a new bar for what is good quality, live, authentic content. That's one thing. The second thing is, uh, Instagram is not a platform that was built for dwell time. It just isn't. And it's being used right now because it is the platform where people feel like they can get to people the quickest. Um, what you're going to hopefully see in the, in the weeks and months to come is that YouTube and Twitch are going to come back and, and hit back at Instagram because they're the channels designed for dwell time. So I'm waiting for right now. It's like Instagram, Instagram through no decision of its own got the first punch and it's because of the user base. I think what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks are how YouTube and Twitch respond. Also, I think how do, how do, how does, how do the social platforms integrate with broadcast, right? Because that feels to me like the big opportunity because you say, Instagram comes with audience and scale and the ease at which you can then bring these audiences together. But people ultimately want these experiences to be more a lean back type of experience. Sure, it could be like YouTube or Twitch, but, you know, I guess YouTube definitely over the top is a lean back experience. But uh, I'm just curious to, to know whether there's going to be like, you know, any type of broadcast integration at some point in the future. But sorry, Reese, I think you were going to say something. Um, I was going to say, I think it's interesting to kind of look at the data. And we first launched Live Guide. Obviously, it's heavily Instagram, not focused, but I, all of the live happening is on Instagram. 90% are on Instagram, probably 5% are on Facebook. And then there's maybe like the other 3 to 5% are, are a split between um, TikTok now live and also YouTube. But I think, like you said, we're going to see a shift going into the next couple of months and seeing that more is happening on those other platforms. I mean, one of the things I've been seeing, so two things, and I never have as many points as Kenny, but just sort of two two quick things. First, uh, uh, when you look at Instagram Live, your points on time on dwelling is absolutely accurate. It's not a place where people should be spending lots of time. Yet, when DJ Premier is going up against RZA um, or DJ or D Nice is performing. You're seeing an incredible engagement, an incredible amount of people. The problem is, is in the Riz's case, the first 30 minutes, you couldn't, you couldn't figure out how to hear any of Wu-Tang's music. Um, so it's a challenge and, and, and the technology is a challenge. But to the other side of it, the idea that Riz is in his dining room letting you hear a Method Man song is unbelievable. The, the, the impact and the, the, the intimacy. The second angle about live is that the only thing I'm kind of not crazy about is how mass it actually feels. It feels very disconnected to a degree, even though you're going live to your audience. Um, uh, an area about that is actually more in the fitness and, and, and yoga space and things of that nature. I'm involved with an app called Famer, 
which allows you to actually teach people on a one-to-one basis. The challenge I have with Instagram Live is we get a bunch of basketball coaches saying, oh, we canceled our season, so here's how we're going to practice. I'm going to go up and do an hour worth of drills, and you're going to follow the drills. That's actually not coaching. You can go on YouTube and see that. The coaching is doing the drills and correcting the kids, depending on how they do it. So I need to see live get a little bit more one-to-one um, and I, or a little bit more intimate and, and before I really think it's going to continue. And I'd be interested to see where YouTube and Twitch go when it comes to that area, based on what you guys are talking about. All right, we're going to take a question from the audience. Welcome to Al Manorino, uh, representing Social Media Week. Nice to see you, Al, and second time uh, special guest. So you have a question for our crew. Take it away. So do you see newcomers like TikTok taking on features that are similar to Instagram's? Or do you see TikTok staying in its own lane for the sake of being unique and having a better chance to compete? I see TikTok staying in its own lane. They are not, I do not see them over-programming the channel. I think they know what they do. They have seen a lot of success. They are in their infancy in how they behave and interact with marketers. So I think they're, they're going to be pure for right now. Um, I would like, you know, let's see if they prove me wrong. But I think in all of my conversations with them, um, they're going to really stay in that lane a little bit and be them. You know, the world is sort of turned upside down when a really senior individual leaves Disney and becomes the head of TikTok. So I'm really interested to see what he has to uh, put together there. And I think Kenny uh, is, you know, absolutely on the money that you're going to see them stay in their their own lane, which uh, continues to get bigger and bigger. Absolutely. I agree. Well, Risa, do you have anything you want to add? I, I was saying I agree. Well, listen, guys, this has been amazing. We are unfortunately out of time. Uh, I want to first of all thank uh, Kenny Gold, my co-pilot, my friend, my partner on this show. Thank you so much. Risa, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us this week. Al Manorino, thank you for your question. Thank you for joining us also. Stay safe, everyone out there. We Thanks, look forward everybody. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. The Five Things Podcast is produced by Andrew Petit, Grace McDougall, Joey Scarillo, John Dillon, and Al Manorino, and recorded at Townhouse Studios. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Social Media Week is a leading conference and industry news platform that curates and shares insights, emerging trends, and best practices with the world's smartest digital marketers. Gray is the exclusive global creative insights partner for Social Media Week. Check out more at gray.com.